Welcome to Better Words, a podcast for readers who want to know the stories behind the pages. We're your hosts, Caitlin and Michelle, two book nerds who bring you in-depth conversations about writing and publishing from those on the inside. Basically, we're just here to talk about books. We're so glad you're joining us. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. And this week, it's a mini book club week for us. Yeah, we're going to chat about a particular graphic novel series by this author that you, I don't know, may have heard of because her name is in this episode description. (laughs) Just maybe. So, yes, we are discussing Heartstopper by Alice Oseman. Now, full confession, I have only read volume one so far. Caitlin, you've read all three volumes. I have. I had to run out and buy volumes two and three immediately after I finished volume one. I guess I should also confess that this is the first graphic novel series or graphic novel at all I've ever read. Yes, look, it's narrowly beaten for me because a few weeks before I read Heartstopper, I had to read and write an essay on Lumberjanes. Um, which yeah it's so Lumberjanes is very very popular graphic novel Um, people probably have seen it heard of it um, and that is like a brilliant take on the summer camp idea so yes very narrowly my second graphic novel but it's not something that I've ever really gotten into before so we thought we would talk about that a little bit as well why have you resisted graphic novels in the past Caitlin? Well, even in just saying that and you asking me that question, I remember that I I guess I technically have read one graphic novel before, but it was a few years ago and it was, I guess, what people would more traditionally think of when they think of a graphic novel. It was actually Watchmen, which is very popular and people will probably not like me for saying that I didn't like it. Um, it's not really your sort of book though so I get that yeah and yes it's definitely darker and it is more in that like superhero traditional comic graphic novel space I suppose and so I think I thought no I don't like those things and I only read that as a favor to a friend so and I didn't like it and I kept telling him I'm like I'm sorry I'm not enjoying this (laughs) it took me so long to read um and so I think from then on I just thought it's not for me can't do it and even when graphic novels like Heartstopper or I'm trying to think of a few others like Rainbow Rowell has one called Pumpkin Heads I think like a few of those contemporary ones started popping up on my Instagram feed and I was like hmm but I don't like graphic novels (laughs) yes so I wonder how many people who are listening have had the same thought because I've definitely felt the same I think as well um I was just like oh it's not really for me or I had this idea that they were all like that comic strip stuff I mean they are sort of but Heartstopper is quite different so because this is a podcast, we should describe to you the visuals of Heartstopper. So it's black and white um, illustrations. The paper is like normal 
novel paper. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like that um, shiny graphic novel or like comic paper that you would imagine. So I think that for me made me feel like I was reading a a book book because this is the other thing as well with um, Lumberjanes. I had to read that um, as an electronic copy through my university for this assignment. So um, it's obviously quite a different reading experience than just seeing it on the screen. Um, but I think that's interesting to note as well, because what we talk about in this interview later with Alice is that Heartstopper started as a webcomic. So all these illustrations were originally um, like an, a series on the web that she would work on and upload bit by bit. But yeah, when you get this, it, it feels like you're reading a novel because of the pages and stuff like that. And I found it quite interesting that everything was black and white too, because I think in my mind, I just expected like the full color uh, illustrations. And then when I started it and everything was in black and white, I think part of me was a bit like, oh, it's not going to be as, you know. Engaging. Yes. And I have, I have the same thought every time I read a verse novel and I open it up and I see so few words, I'm like, will this really capture my attention? Will I really have the full visual imaginings in my mind? And each time I have been proved wrong and I find myself so immersed in the world. It happens with verse novels. I read and recommended a while ago, Clap When You Land um, by Elizabeth Acevedo. And that was one where I was so fully into it. And the same thing happened with Heartstopper where I was just like, could see everything. Yeah. So yeah, I just, I, I feel like I need to confess that and say that I literally always doubt whether it will hold my attention like a full color thing or a full fully worded novel but it does it's interesting that isn't it because I mean graphic novels are like visual so you would it seems silly to say that we're worried that we wouldn't be able to hold our attention to it and like see the story clearly when it's literally drawn out for us but I do know what you mean I wonder if it's because I don't know about you when you read but I guess it's all you're picturing everything in your mind. So I wonder if it's the idea that like, oh, if I just see the pictures, I won't also imagine it. Yeah. Or like properly connect somehow. Yeah. yeah. I am fully aware as I say all of this, that there may be people listening who are like, you guys are so silly. Yeah. <laughs> but I like honestly do feel a bit like, oh, sharing it. But. I mean, this is this is our podcast, and we will talk about it. <laughs> yeah, we're just new to this whole graphic novel space. But after reading the first three volumes of Heartstopper in like a day and a half, I had to go out and get the other two books. I am I'm so excited about the possibility of reading other contemporary graphic novels. But I think the key is going to be contemporary which shouldn't be surprising because I'm not much of a sci-fi or fantasy reader in any form anyway. So Yeah, so it wouldn't be expected that you would then be like, I'm just going to read high fantasy graphic novels when that's what I don't enjoy reading as a novel. 
Yeah. Exactly. That would make no sense. So would you though ever read any of like the Marvel graphic novels or comic series since you enjoy those TV shows and movies? I don't think so. Unless I don't know. I haven't come across any that have like piqued my interests enough to want to read them. Um, and I'll be completely honest, I'm pretty happy to leave my immersion and knowledge of Marvel characters just within the movies. I feel like we've got through this chat without actually talking about Heartstopper too much itself. So for people who don't know, it is the cutest queer love story ever. Oh, it's so sweet. So adorable. Oh, my God. This would be a really good graphic novel to try if you're a bit hesitant like us, but you enjoy reading contemporary YA, you enjoy Alice Oseman's work or the work of people like her, or if you enjoy reading romance, because I think just in general, this is the cutest romance. Oh, it's so, so sweet. I loved it. So sweet. Like it's skyrocketed to the top of my like favorite romances I've ever read. It's adorable. And so the main characters are Nick and Charlie who were secondary characters but already in a relationship in solitaire. Is that correct? Yes. So, and we will talk a little bit about this kind of in the interview as well, but Solitaire is Alice's debut novel. The main character is Tori and she's sort of, she is in the graphic novels just briefly, but the graphic novels take place before the events of solitaire because yeah as you say they're already in a relationship and the first volume is very much there like meet cute and then yeah becoming friends and everything yeah so at the beginning of the heartstopper series charlie is out at his school he's and everyone knows that he is gay and there are events i think he was outed the year before there's some Um, things that are discussed there but um, he befriends Nick when they are put in the same class and they have to sit next to each other Um, and Charlie develops feelings for him even though he's sure that Nick is straight. Because Nick is this big rugby playing guy he's like a bit of a he hangs around with all the dudes like it's very like lads culture and so of course, Charlie's just like, oh my, when, when they first never, have to like, sit next to each other, he's like, oh my God, I have to sit next to this guy. And then he's like, oh no, he's really nice and really cute. And we're becoming friends. Oh no. And cuteness. Oh, no. And when he asked me to play rugby, I'll play rugby. Like, yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. I mean, how much when you were reading that, it's so, it, it is that thing when you have a crush on someone and you're like, yeah, I'll change my interest to spend more time with you. <laughs> I mean, now, no. At oh, of course If not. someone asked me, probably <laughs> I might have tried. Yeah, I think as a as a teenager, like I would have done anything. But now, yeah, I've definitely draw the line, especially for people that you're like, maybe they like me back. Maybe if they just see me running on a rugby field, <laughs> they'll like me more. Which, as it happens, is the case for Nick and Charlie. Yeah, it works out for Nick and Charlie, and it's very, very cute. So I guess we should probably stop talking about Heartstopper and then move into our interview with the wonderful Alice Oseman. Yep, enjoy. 
Our guest this week is a formidable young writer. Her first book was published when she was just 19 and now at 25, the same age as me and I've not published anything, (laughs) our guest has already published four very celebrated novels and written and illustrated a much-loved graphic novel series. Her latest novel, Loveless, is one that Caitlin and I both wish had been around for us as teenagers. So we are absolutely delighted to welcome you, Alice Oseman, to Better Words. Thank you. Excited to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As we said, absolutely love the book and I think it's one that a lot of people are really, really going to love. It's it's such a fun story as well and one that I think there's so many levels to it. Obviously, there's a there's a main theme that we are going to talk about, but even just things like the university experience and stuff, I think Caitlin and I always say that type of time period after high school as you're starting university, that age is probably not explored enough. So it's always exciting to see new books in that like age range. So yeah, loved it. Yeah, I think that age range, like people, I think writers think that it's just slightly too old for YA, whereas it's really like just on the borderline between YA and adult. And we need more books about that time because I feel like you're still a mess of a person (laughs) at that point. And that's very YA, so... Yeah. I don't know about anybody else, but I feel like that's when I did my most, that was like the biggest growth spurt because yes. you're leaving, you're leaving home. Um, for me, I was like, oh, my parents don't necessarily have like, they don't know everything. They mm. don't, I don't agree necessarily with their worldviews. It's like this whole opening up of your world, especially if you move away to university, suddenly you're just confronted with so much more and it's amazing and I think that definitely is encapsulated in this novel as well I feel like you go from being like 16 in like books and movies and tv to being like 25 and then there's nothing yeah. in time period in there where so much happens and like you're yeah. developing a person we need more stories about that time absolutely so with that for those who haven't read Loveless yet can you give us a quick little blurb yes so um it Loveless follows Georgia, who's 18 years old. She has never had a crush on anyone. She's never been in love. She's never kissed anyone. Um, But she really, really wants to because she is obsessed with romance. um, And she wants to have this perfect teenage dream romance. So at the start of the book, she is just about to head off to university where she makes a plan. She is going to find someone to go out with. She wants to have these experiences. She's going to find a partner somehow when she gets there. Um, And when she gets there, she finds out that she has a roommate. She wasn't expecting to have a roommate at university, but she has been given a roommate whose name is Rooney. And she's very outgoing, very experienced in the world of love and romance. Um, And Georgia decides to get Rooney to help her have this perfect romance. Um, But of course, everything goes wrong. (laughs) Um, And instead, Georgia goes on a more of a journey um, in figuring out her sexuality um, and figuring out that she might be on the asexual and aromantic spectrums. Even just hearing you start to introduce the characters, I'm like, oh, I want to be back there with them. I've like, (laughs) it's such a fun group. I absolutely love them and also Roderick the Fern as well oh, a key character <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, so in the acknowledgement of Loveless you write that it's the most difficult frustrating terrifying and liberating thing you've written 
So can you tell us a little bit more about that and how your experience mirrors George's and how you feel knowing that this book could be helping someone come to terms with their identity as well? Yeah, so this book was just a nightmare to write. Like it took me so long. Um, So I started working on it. I I sort of first started brainstorming it like immediately after my third book came out, which was in May 2018. Um, Straight after I was like, right, book four. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I immediately started trying to come up with ideas for it. And I knew I wanted to write a book that was kind of about like, the power of friendship and how friendship can be just as important as romance um but that was all I really had at that point um and it took me so so long to even come up with the basic concept of Loveless like it must have been a solid year of planning before I even started writing anything and it kind of evolved into more of like a coming out story during that time and then when I started writing it I just found it so difficult um like I'd I'd try when I before I start writing a book I like to have a really solid plan like I like to know everything that's going to happen it's really helpful for me to just know exactly what I'm doing while I'm writing um but with this book I managed to plan about two-thirds of it and then the final third I just had no idea like I could not figure out how this story needed to end And it got to the point where I was missing deadlines. Like I, the book was supposed to come out last summer, 2019. And I was missing deadlines. I knew I was just like, I I have to, I have to start writing this book. Like, otherwise my my publisher are going to drop me. Like (laughs) I'm missing these deadlines. So even without a full plan, I started writing it, which did not go well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I, I basically started writing it and I wrote about that two thirds of it without having any idea how it was going to end. And I know some writers do that, but that was not what I should have done. (laughs) It did not work for me. Um, so it was like early this year when I got to about 60,000 words, I think it was. And I realized that I just didn't like it. Like I got to that point. Well, I've written loads of it and I just hated it like I didn't know where it's going to go from there I was so unhappy with so much of it I was talking to one of my writer friends and she was like Alice you need to you need to restart it like if you hate it this much you need to go back to the beginning and change it <laughs> oh my god I have anxiety just hearing about right? this oh my god <laughs> oh, it was a nightmare situation but I knew she was right like I couldn't continue with this book that I didn't like. It need something needed to change. So I went right back to the beginning and it wasn't I didn't like fully scrap it. Like it wasn't like I just binned it and started again. I recycled a lot of it, but I basically sort of started again and from then I was able to actually finish a draft. So I managed to have a finished draft by like April this year, I think, which is very late in the publishing process um but yes I managed to get it done somehow um and I think the reason why I found it so difficult generally um obviously firstly because it is a very personal story um and I was struggling with balancing that the the themes and the journey that I wanted Georgia to go on with the book having like a plot (laughs) 
<laughs> that's <laughs> that's the problem with writing character focused stories they you know the the drama and the the themes come through the characters and their relationships things still need to actually happen <laughs> in the book <laughs> um so i was just struggling with that so so much i didn't know what needed to happen outside of it like trying to keep it realistic while also it not being boring like like my previous books um like I was born for this for example has a quite an exciting plot just because it's about like celebrities and you know all these wild things happen and that's quite realistic because they're like rock stars in that book whereas this book they're university students like (laughs) nothing really (laughs) wild is gonna happen to them um so yeah that was kind of the main issue but I made it through we're here we've got a book um yeah (laughs) wow it's so interesting to hear um these like stories behind publication even like the oh god the amount of times we have actually heard a few times where it's like yeah I got this far in and then had to completely redo it or there's like that those two kinds of authors the ones who are like I just had the voice and they can just like spill out a novel like word word. (laughs) and then the ones who were like I had everything planned out meticulously (laughs) (laughs) it's fascinating to hear everyone's different stories because there is no two authors that have the same experience and it's it's also comforting because there will always be someone who is looking at you and what you do and going oh my god they're so amazing meanwhile you're just like I don't know what I'm doing. Oh my God, that's so true. Like one of the comments that I get a lot, well, that I got a lot when I was working on it was like, you know, every time I complained about it online, because I did that a lot, (laughs) (laughs) someone would message me like, oh, don't worry, whatever you write will be brilliant. I love everything you write, which firstly, that's so sweet. Like that's a really lovely thing to say, but it's untrue. (laughs) It's not going to be brilliant. unless I make it brilliant like it doesn't just happen it's like hard work and you it's not like it's not going to be brilliant unless I really try really hard so actually I want to talk more specifically about your publishing journey a bit later in the chat but just while we're on that topic is it hard when you have had such um, I guess praise and acclaim quite early on in your writing career and as someone who's still developing like literally we just said before that those years are when you are still developing as a person so of course you're developing as a person and as a writer is it hard now when people are like saying things like it'll be brilliant and you're like oh my god I've got to make it I've got to live up to that expectation like is that difficult yeah it definitely adds an element to it like I mean people have really enjoyed my books and that is the most amazing feeling in the world like having people who have been reading my books since my first one is amazing like I wouldn't change that for the world but you know ever since that first book it has added this element of oh now I've got people who are expecting something really amazing or expecting me to write something even better um, which is a lot of pressure and yeah it causes a lot of stress (laughs) but I guess it is also encouraging because it does make me every time you know really want to strive to do something as you know as good or if not better and it's also why I I try to write something quite different each time with my books in a way to try and accept to myself that like some people 
won't like this book even if they've liked my other books like that's another thing I think authors need to remember is that you know even if someone has really loved one of your previous books like it's their favorite book ever that doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna like your next one and that might not even be anything to do with you it might not be your fault that is you know people just people like books for all sorts of reasons there's no real real way to write a perfect book that everyone's going to love you just need to keep trying to do better and try to write something that you love that's what's most important and actually speaking of that as well with loveless like it it was a personal book for you it was hard to write can you explain a little bit about your own experience with realizing you were on the aromantic and asexual spectrum and why I guess you needed to tell that story in a novel yeah my journey was similar very similar to Georgia's um it just sort of happened over a much longer period of time (laughs) like the the events of Loveless sort of all go down within one year of uni whereas for me it was a much longer process of several years um sort of over uni and then beyond but what I really wanted to show with Loveless um in comparison to what I've been through is that period when you're really not sure you're you know you're just starting to question things you're doing lots of internet research and you feel you know it's causing you some stress and anxiety kind of not knowing who you are and not knowing what these feelings mean and maybe not even really liking this part of yourself very much so very much that that early stage of you know, self-discovery, which is very typical of a coming out novel. Like I did my university dissertation on um, LGBTQ plus YA and part of that was about coming out novels. Um, and it's it's such a big genre of books now. Um, and it's got a very specific structure, like story structure, where you start off with a character who's kind of just starting to figure out, you know, or question some things about themselves. And then they kind of figure out like, that means and then they have to kind of tell their friends and then by the end they've reached that point of acceptance Um, and there's quite a lot of books like that um, nowadays but there aren't really any like that about being asexual or being aromantic so I wanted to write a book that followed that quite typical coming out story structure but about this identity that really there is really not very much representation at all and the the very little representation that there is particularly in books is usually characters who are very very confident in their identity in their identities and who already know exactly who they are they're very confident very happy which is great like I love reading that too and loads of readers do but I think there's definitely value in showing a character who is 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 on the journey of figuring that out and is not quite sure yet. So absolutely, I um actually after reading this, I happened to be studying this semester at uni texts for young adults. Um, so I did a little bit of a like research on some asexual representation in young adult and it wasn't young adult specific but I did pull up an article that was talking about you know some of the characters that you can read as asexual so someone like Sherlock for example who has the seen as this like amazing power and like you know the, the reason they maybe don't uh want or for lack of a better word, need a relationship is because they're amazing in their own right. But I think you're so right. There is this feeling of like, 
but I'm not like that. I'm just this normal person. And what the hell is wrong with me? Because we are taught from a very young age that we should be looking for a certain thing. And if we don't fit into that, then we do feel like we're not normal and that there is something wrong with us. And I think just the power in seeing that confusion and that, like you said, sometimes not necessarily liking that part of yourself as well, that is so important to see in novels. So though this novel does does focus on uh, Georgia being asexual and aromantic, um, but it is not the first time that your novels have focused more on friendship rather than romantic love. So why do you think it's so important for YA to step back from romance a bit? Yeah, I mean, when I got into YA, it was very romance heavy. Like I, my first book, well, I wrote my first book in 2012, which was like Hunger Games era and kind of just after Twilight era. Um, my first so, year of university. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was so, like, yeah, all the films. All the trilogies yeah. and like the post-apocalyptic, it was like Divergent yeah. and Blade Runner and mm, all that. Literally, <laughs> yeah, the golden age of YA. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so YA was like very much like, if you say why you think of like love triangles and like really kind of over the top romances um so when I kind of went into YA with the view that I wanted to focus slightly more on friendships um particularly my second book Radio Silence that's when that kind of kicked off mainly because I think I mean for me I I have nothing against romance I'm not saying like we need to stop writing romance like romance is great I love writing and reading romance <laughs> you know it's it's lovely and fun um but like friendships are also so important to teenagers and young adults um like for me obviously friendships have been some of the most important relationships in my life um particularly during that time um and i i've always wanted to show friendship having that little sort of sparkle that romance has in books and yeah it's just fun to write like romance I think friendships you can kind of do whatever you want with them whereas romances always follow a sort of typical structure when you're writing a romance book whereas friendships you know in Radio Silence the friendship the main friendship between Alan and Francis follows um, a similar structure to a romance like they have this sort of meet you at the start and then they slowly become really really good friends and then in like the you know the second act or whatever they have like a breakup like a friendship breakup um and then they you know come back together and that's kind of like a romance almost like that's the sort of structure that you would see in a romance um whereas in my third book I was born for this um I wanted to show sort of two very different sort of friendships so there was the boy band um the arc who've all kind of grown up together um and so they have a really close bond um, just from kind of be- being together for so long. And then on the other hand, you've got these two girls, Angel and Juliet, who met online and they're really, really close friends online, but they've never met in real life. And in the book, they meet in real life for the first time. So two very different sorts of friendships, but re- really interesting and fun to write about. Um, so it's just fun. Like you can do so much with friendships in books and you can make them feel so special and magical 
just as much as you can as a romance um so yes more of those in books <laughs> yeah um one of my favorite that. YA novels is Codename Verity by Elizabeth mm. Wayne and I, I don't know if either of you've read that but I haven't I haven't read that I have such a I have such a like mini obsession with World War Two fiction um <laughs> <laughs> but this novel is about two female pilots, but there is this line in it that I always remember. And it it's, it's like being in love, discovering your best friend. And Aww. I just, I, that is so true. And it's been so true of some really wonderful friendships I've had. And I actually had, um, I met up with someone who I know online the other day and we literally spent the whole day together and we kind of just kept finding reasons to extend. She like she was like, oh, I can drop you home. And, you know, and I was like, oh, come in for a cup of tea. It was just, and it's like, if you go on a date with someone, for example, and you really like them, so you just want to keep talking to them. It is the same sort of thing where you have this spark in your friendship and you're like, I just want to spend all my time with you. You're really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And it is like, um, it is like falling in love and just like finding reasons to hang out with them and finding reasons to text them. And I just, I just always keep coming back to that line in my head as probably one of the things that sticks with me a lot. And I think it's definitely true of Loveless as well. And the relationship um, that Georgia kind of finds, especially with Rooney. I was going to say Georgia and Rooney kind of have that like new romance, but a friendship mm. kind of mm. arc as well as they like meet and then become so close and it's so nice. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if you love a friendship book, then Codename Verity mm. is brilliant. I mean, makes me cry every time as well. So be prepared. But it is also feminist feminist pilots um, in World War Two. I mean, what more could you ask for? Really? It's wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, I'm always up for like a female pilot story. It's yeah. Wonderful. And I mean, um, Caitlin and I kind of had a bit of a meet cute as well at the musical that we were doing together. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Can I yes. hear the story? What is the yes. story of this? So, um, who should go first? Caitlin, do you I'm want to tell a, it? <laughs> I'm such a theatre kid. So, I did like musicals all through high school and everything. And then after high school, was doing them like locally in our community theatre group. And Michelle, I think, did you join? Because someone was like, it'll be fun and you can meet new friends or something. And I was like, well, I don't have a social life, so let's give yeah. this a go. Well, it was like the total newbie as these things. I was so go. anxious. I literally had panic attacks every time I walked oh. into the hall. I was like, oh, my God, everyone else is friends. <laughs> yeah. And like we were, like everyone knew each other. And Michelle was probably one of a few people that was like a total newbie. Um, but then I was chatting to one of our other friends when we were having like a lunch break or something one day. And... No, it was when the it was when the boys were doing their singing and we got sent outside to do our bits. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. So separating into you know because <laughs> you weren't with Austin. That's the only reason I remember it. Oh, okay. We yeah. we became like a little trio. Yeah. So quartet. Um, but I think I was talking to. Indy and um, had asked her what about what she was reading or something like that and your ears just like perked up <laughs> and then um, we come from a very small town where not many people know what YA is so uh, okay so I, I don't like, remember what book it was or something but it must have been something not super super mainstream because it was like 2014 so it wasn't like the fault in our stars or something like that and your ears perked up and then we ended up talking about books 
And then I think we went to ice cream at like Macca's at McDonald's <laughs> afterwards. Um, after at like 11 p.m. because yeah, it was after rehearsal. <laughs> yeah, a few people. And then um, I didn't have my license at the time, so one of my other friends drove me home, but Michelle followed us the entire way and it turned out that she lived like one street over. Yeah, I didn't oh. follow you on purpose. We didn't <laughs> no. realise we lived in the same place. Yeah. <laughs> we lived down the road from each other essentially. Yeah, yeah. so then I started picking you up and taking you to rehearsals. Yeah, because it was more convenient because my friends lived on the outside of town. (laughs) Yeah, so it was, and but then obviously, like that's how we met and realized we were really into books and stuff. But then there was Indy and Austin as well, so there was like a whole group, and it was I was the Rooney to your Uh, little trio, like (laughs) (laughs) I was the new person. But it was like it was a fierce like flame of like friendship and love and like I sometimes just think oh my god I miss those days where we used to all hang out together and do like stupid things like dance with each other in the middle of the street after a rehearsal like it's such a lot it's such a lovely time to look back on anyway across the ocean so well to be fair I wasn't the first one to move uh Austin Austin moved to Sydney so you know there's that but yeah it it was a it was a lovely little thing but we have a question about theater stuff later on of course of course with that in there as well I was like oh my god Caitlin is going to love this book I absolutely loved it it is actually a question oh okay (laughs) so I am such a theater kid and I really loved the theater and drama storylines that were in the novel all the way through and this is a bit of a fun question but because Pip um is really into theater what do you think her dream role is oh oh my gosh that's really hard question (laughs) (laughs) just wanted to put a wild card one in there wow I don't know it's some sort of like big musical role What's like a big, I don't know, I'd say something, something like Les Mis, because that's just like such a classic, yeah. but I think I already put that in there, she, that she'd been in that, <laughs> just because that is. She was in Les Mis, because I did like that Jason, their other friend, how they mm. kept joking that he kept being typecast, so he was like, yeah. and like Fagin, I think, in all of yeah, that. Yeah, say, Mary Poppins, in, he was in the, he was the grumpy father in Mary Poppins, something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just really impressed. I was like, oh my God, their school got really big productions, like knowing how expensive it is to put on these productions. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, no, this goodness. is like fully based on my school and the school opposite me, who we had these massive like musicals and plays that we do every year. And like we did, like Hairspray was one year. Um, I was in Little Women, the musical. Um, the school opposite me did Les Mis. Um, and they're really good. Like they were really fun. Yeah. So as we mentioned earlier, you were still a teenager when your debut novel, Solitaire, was published. Um, and I believe you're born in 94 mm-hmm. Yeah. as well. Yeah. So same age as me, which makes me feel thoroughly <laughs> inadequate right now. Um, but so now you're in your 20s, obviously have published several other books, novellas, comics. How do you feel when you look back on your first novel and the start of your publishing experience? Wow. It feels like so long ago. Like 
it it's it was so long ago <laughs> well I'll start by just saying you know explaining how I got published so young um so I wrote my first book solitaire in 2012 I was um in my second to last year of school and then in my last year of school kind of between those um I wrote that book um and then I didn't really have plans to get it published um until I was reaching the end of it where I sort of was looking back at it and I thought you know I really really like this I really believe in it and I really feel like it's something that could be on the shelf in a bookshop um so I decided to start doing some research online like how do people become authors I would literally just google that like every day for two months (laughs) so yeah no I did lots and lots of research and um sort of found out about the like traditional submission process to literary agencies and then I just went ahead and did that um well I I worked on the book a lot first I edited it I spent many months editing and then I submitted it to a bunch of literary agents and I was lucky enough that one of them was interested and she wanted to take me on as a client which is very cool so this was still in my last year of school (laughs) um and then so we worked on the book together for like six months ish um and then she uh submitted the book to publishers um in the summer between school and uni um and during that summer I got my first book deal with Collins. um so that's kind of how it all began yeah it's weird to look back on do you ever just look back and think oh my god I did that yeah yeah it's weird <laughs> yeah I always thought it would really count against me like I thought people would take one look at me and think well, well she's a child <laughs> <What does she know? laughs> but it was I mean who better to write YA and you know as I've been looking at this university subject about YA something that we talk about a lot is gatekeepers so Mm. who better to write about the teen experience than a teenager exactly it must have been so daunting as well yeah it was um when I when I submitted to agencies I didn't say how old I was I just said I was a student um so then when I went to my first meeting with my agent I was like, by the way, I should probably just say that I'm 18. And she's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but honestly, it wasn't like really a big deal at all. And to be honest, my publisher, HarperCollins, actually wanted to publish me really quickly so they could say that I was a teenage writer. So it, they published it when I was 19. So yeah. in all of their publicity stuff, they could be like, teenage writer (laughs) that was a big thing like that's old so much like good publicity like it got loads of interest for that so if you could go back and tell your younger self one thing about publishing what would you tell her um it doesn't get easier (laughs) (laughs) and that's not very encouraging I should probably say something encouraging um but I can't think of anything (laughs) Um, it's so funny the amount of writers you know people it, I've, I've sat in things in Australia where, you know, actual literary icons will still say every time I sit down to write anything, whether it's 300 words or a new novel, I don't know what the hell I'm doing and it's just as hard. Yeah. So 
I feel like that is good advice because it seems to be universal as well that it doesn't matter yet from the outside we're all just going oh my god you're amazing how do you do it and you're like I don't know (laughs) yeah no I was thinking about this yesterday actually um and it's because I think it's because the more you write the better you get at writing so your standards go up and so every time you're writing something new you're kind of judging yourself more harshly every single time because you know more and your skills are better so you can see when things aren't working much better. So we also mentioned briefly before that you have published um, illustrated comics. Uh, The Heartstopper series is such a popular series, very, very loved by so many. And that evolved from a webcomic to now printed graphic novels with, like I said, a really strong fan base. So how did you get started with that? And how did that evolve into a print product? So I've been drawing ever since I was little. I've always loved drawing my characters and cartoons. Um, And I've always loved web comics and graphic novels as well. Um, Particularly in my teenage years, I really got into web comics um, and I just love comics. (laughs) Um, So I had these two characters, Nick and Charlie, um, who were secondary characters in my first book, Solitaire. Um, And in that book, they're in a relationship, but we don't really learn much about them, um, who they are, you know, how they got together, what their relationship is like. Um, Because the book isn't really focused on them, so we just don't know much about them. But after I'd written that book, I knew I really, really wanted to explore their relationship a little bit more. uh, Because I really love them as characters. Um, But as I said, we don't know much about them in Solitaire, so I wanted to explore them a bit more. And I set about trying to write their story as a book. I tried to plan it, tried to figure out how I could make this story a, a prose novel but it just wouldn't work. Um, I couldn't get it to work in that sort of structure because I figured out that Nick and Charlie's story doesn't have a very typical novel arc in a way. Um, You know, with a novel, you've you've got a beginning, a middle and an end, and it's kind of got quite a typical format, typical uh, character structure, but their story didn't have that. Um, it was more of an, I imagined it being more of an episodic story where we sort of follow them through all these sections of their lives. Um, and it doesn't have like a really solid beginning, middle and end. It's more of an ongoing story. So I realised that this sort of structure would be perfect for a webcomic, which is, you know, a comic that you upload online and it usually lasts several years because they take ages to make. Um, and they're ongoing. Um, and so in 2016, I started Heartstopper. Uh, well, it started off as the story of how Nick and Charlie got together as a couple. And it's kind of expanded out from that. And it's sort of just following them through their teenage lives and all their friends as well. Um, and, you know, exploring their relationship and how they deal with all sorts of things that come their way. Um, so, yeah, launched that in 2016. And it's kind of grown really, really a lot since then, which has been amazing. And in 2018, I knew I wanted to have a book of it. I wanted to publish the first volume of Heartstopper um, in physical form. So I immediately talked to my agent about this um, and she was like, "Mm, I'm not not really sure. You know, there aren't 
really young adult contemporary graphic novels in the UK. It's not really a thing at all. There's a few in the US, but there, at the time there wasn't any in the UK. So she was like, I'm not really sure I can sell this to a publisher. I was like, that's fine. <laughs> I'm going to self-publish it, um, which is what a lot of webcomic creators do. They kickstart it. They do a Kickstarter or some sort of crowdfunding campaign to publish their own books. So I'd, I'd, I'd supported lots of other webcomic artists doing this in the past. So I knew how it worked. So I did that for Heartstopper summer 2018 and then that just wiped out like half a year of my life <laughs> going to the post office every day <laughs> um <laughs> that was a lot of work but it was very cool had a book of Heartstopper um and because the Kickstarter done so well that's when I it started to get interest from traditional publishers mm-hmm. so even though it is it, there was a book of it already I decided to go with the publisher, um, Hatchet, um, because obviously the self-published edition would have to sell out one day and then there would be no more books. That would be it. Whereas going with a traditional publisher means there will be books for years to come, um, which is really nice. So, yeah, so the first book, the first and second books came out in 2019 and volume three came out this year and volume four will be out next year there's going to be five books in total when you first started posting the comic did you have like the whole story I guess like in your in your head or did we figuring it out as you went along roughly I've I've got sort of the rough outline of the whole journey like uh, the story is split into eight chapters um and I I knew from the start like what each of those chapters was going to explore but I haven't really I don't plan them in extreme de- detail until I get close to actually writing and drawing them so oh, that's amazing and how long does each chapter or section um take you to create difficult to say um <laughs> well the chapters vary in length so much um like chapter one is like 94 pages or something and Chapter two is like hundred and it must be like hundred and fifty or something like that. It it varies a lot, but each I try to do I try to draw a page almost every day. It's like my morning routine. I get up and I draw a hearts of a page if I can, um, and that drawing one page usually takes between two to three hours, um, and each book has around three hundred comic pages. Um, so it's really difficult to say how long a book takes. Like I'd say maybe a a year and a bit, maybe a bit longer. It's yeah, it's, it's very difficult to plan. (laughs) Yeah. But it's a long process. (laughs) Yeah. I love the idea that, you know, it's just day by day though, Mm. because there are so many times that we look at something like that and think, how much work is involved but actually when you break it down a few hours every day and you will make a book eventually exactly exactly (laughs) um so we also mentioned earlier that the Nick and Charlie novella has been published so this was uh an ebook uh version I believe Mm -hmm. and it was like a little a little Nick and Charlie story so obviously featured in Heartstopper as well um and so the paperback novella of that has been released um to match all the new covers for your books as well they all look beautiful together um and as you say like volume three of Heartstopper's come out Loveless, Nick and Charlie, 
huge year for you already. (laughs) So what are you most looking forward to in the last half of the year? And I really hope it's some rest. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I really am um, looking forward to some, some rest from writing, particularly like I've been working on prose fiction pretty much non-stop since 2012 like I've been I've had something on the go writing wise for like eight years so now that I've finished um Loveless like Loveless is done Nick and Charlie's done I've got my other novella this winter is coming out in October pretty much finished all the work on that as well so now I as much as I could just launch myself into writing something new, I really want to take a, a few months where I'm just not pressuring myself to come up with a new idea or write something new. Um, I think I need to like recharge and have a think about like what I want to write next. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely well deserved. <laughs> <laughs> You have such a busy schedule and I can imagine that were it not for COVID, it would have been packed with events and traveling and all that sort of stuff. Honestly, I don't know how I would have coped. (laughs) I was scheduled, I was scheduled to go to Australia and New Zealand to do a big Australia, New Zealand tour um, in May, I think. Um, and I was scheduled to go to U- the US to go to Book Expo or, or BookCon, one of the one of the big ones. I was going to go, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, like I was super, I, obviously I'm sad that I didn't get to go to those things, but I have no idea how I would have coped with like finishing Loveless and mm. doing the Nick and Charlie edits and this winter edits. I I have no idea how I would have coped. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's probably like a tiny blessing in disguise tiny, that tiny, yeah, tiny yeah. Blessing. <laughs> just like for your sanity yeah, as well. yeah. <laughs> wow well hopefully you get to Australia one day so, um, yeah. because we really like it <laughs> <laughs> I mean I like it a little bit less than Caitlin that's why yeah. I'm in England so I can't say that but, um yeah and I mean actually because Caitlin works at HarperCollins you probably get to meet her. Probably would, you... yeah. yeah. That's so nice. <laughs> I know, I've done that a couple of times actually when authors have come to visit the kids' team and I just kind of oh. hop over and I'm like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been such a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you for yeah. indulging our multiple tangents that we went on. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me. It's been really fun. <laughs> Do you want to just let us know where people can find you online and also where they can, um, when they can get copies of, do you say this winter is mm-hmm. out in October as mm-hmm. well? Yeah. Um, so you can find all about my books on my website, aliceoseman.com or visit me on Twitter um, at Alice Oseman. Um, if you're looking for my books, uh, this winter is out in October and have a look on your local bookshop's website or go to your local indie bookshop um or if you're international and cannot find my books try book depository because they ship to a lot of places for free thank you for listening to better words you can chat to us on instagram at better words pod and follow me michelle at unfinished bookshelf and me caitlin at just a bookish babe If you liked this episode, please share it with a book-loving friend and leave a rating or review.